know, from time to time, we all like to look back and take a trip down memory lane. And that is what this week's episode of Chasing 40 is all about. You might have guessed that from the title. Now, the reason we're doing this is because normally you would be met with the dulcet turns of myself and Beck having the right old rant and ramble about the week's events and what we've got up to. But this week, Beck is not available. It's just me. It's just Jeff. No Beck. Beck isn't here. So I thought to myself, you know what? Rather than take a break, what we'll do is we'll take a bit of a step back in time. Now, we could have just taken a step back in time and played the greatest hits of the podcast so far because we've been on air now for six months. But rather than do that, I thought we'll go a bit further back and we'll celebrate what's happening across the country right now because it's festival season out there and there are so many amazing musical festivals taking place, not only just in the UK, but across Europe. And the one that caught my eye the most was the Rewind Festival, which began this weekend, and that tours the country. And I think you've only got to tap into Google 80s Festival, and you will find one on your doorstep. So this week, what we're going to do is we're going to take a step back to the 1980s, and we're going to revisit some of the chats that I've had with some of the big stars of the 1980s. Some of these chats, by the way, some of these interviews, there's bits on there that have never been aired, which means if you're a big fan of one of the artists that we're going to be hearing from throughout the course of this show, there's a possibility you're probably going to hear something you've not heard ever before which is always great especially if you are a massive fan of one of these people so who is coming up on this week's episode of chasing 40 then who are we going to be looking back to the 80s with we're going to end with jason donovan he's not at the rewind festival but he's doing a load of other ones so we're going to find out what it was like for jason starting on neighbors scott and charlene there we go straight away you're all right ready drifting back aren't you to the 1980s and thinking about their wedding we're going to find out all about going from neighbors to musical superstardom in the 1980s when we hear from him we're also going to find out what it was like for carol decker to be into pow and to have some of the biggest hits of the 80s especially over in america because you, you look back at Tapau now and you go, yeah, they were one of them 80s bands that were quite decent. But they did have big, big success over in the States. So she'll talk all about that and some of the big TV shows that she performed on whilst over in the States. But first, we're going to kick off with a band who most definitely are performing at all of the Rewind festivals across the country. It's Mark King from Level 42. So make sure you stick around. It's Chasing 40 with a difference. And we'll begin with Mark King from Level 42. Enjoy. Hello, Jeff. Yeah, I am here, mate. Alive and well, and uh, waiting to get out and do some more shows for everyone. You are. You're back, aren't you? Got a brand new album out. Yeah, there's a new album, Retroglide. Um, been 18 months in the making, and uh, although some would say 12 years in the making, because it's the first Level 42 album for that long. And uh, it's me back together with Mike Lindup and Boone Gould wrote the lyrics for the album and uh, Gary Husband on drums and it's a it's a really good album if I say so myself. So you just mentioned then 12 years since your last release but it's a long time since you got together. 1981 was when you first sort of hit the scene with a release wasn't it? Uh, in fact, a little bit before that, Jeff, we um, we began in the beginning of 1980, and we had a song out, a single out called "Love Meeting Love" that was put out on a independent label because that was all the rage then. I'm um, called All Ears Music, and our yeah. first uh, uh, producer was called Andy Soika. Okay, well, going back to the early 80s, now, I was told this uh, by Lisa, a friend of mine who works here at the radio station, and she said that you guys were like the bling bling boys of your time. Is this true? No, it's not, Lisa. You naughty girl, putting things like that around. You know, you can't say that about us. The Because um, I believe you wore a lot of bling and a lot of expensive gear. 
Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm too old now to know what bling means anyway. Even though the word does crop up in one of the songs on Retroglide, I have to say, I just didn't know what I was singing, did I? I'll tell you so, what, you're, uh, you're a good salesman there, Mark. Retroglide, you've got it in again. I did, didn't I? That's, that's a good <laughs> plug. And I've also got a sneak in heffalump, Jeff, because I've been told to try and sneak that word in as well. So there we are, two there for you one. You've achieved it, haven't you? So, uh, so you, the bling bling blues, you're not too sure about that one. But level 42, uh, why level 42? Um, well, it was the, 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 the 42 actually came from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We kind of borrowed it from Douglas Adams' book. But um, it, the, the, the reason we wanted to use a number as opposed to a name is because this was, like I said, this is 1980 and, and punk was um, just about on its uh, uppers. And um, all the bands, were, you know, it used to be like the Sex Pistols, the Clash, the Stranglers. It was all sort of quite hard, aggressive things. And we, we somehow wanted to try and distance ourselves a bit from that and hopefully come up with a name that only meant something when you actually hear the music and, I, and that we definitely did achieve I think. It wasn't probably until 1984 when things started really really happening you started getting a, a, quite a good run of top 10 hits. What was it like being a big pop star around about that era because it was a good time music It was wise, a fantastic time you know I, I really feel very fortunate to, to have had my career through the 1980s Jeff because you had such a lot of that you know there were so many different kinds of bands and so many different styles of music actually around and being given airplay and uh, you know record companies getting behind and supporting them great time it, th those days are gone I'm afraid but um, you know we, we had um, the, the Sun Goes Down that you played a little earlier was, was actually produced by the guys from Earth, Wind and Fire in the States and, and that kind of gave us a bit of a seal of approval and I think the people started taking us a bit more seriously after that and then we, we recorded the next album with Ken Scott and that gave us a song called Hot Water and then, then we really set about seeing if we could come up with some, some sort of big hit records and we started writing songs like something about you and leaving me now yeah. and then went on to lessons in love etc you know that's what I mean I mean you, you guys were quite credible because there was a lot of naff acts wasn't there around the 80s there's a lot of naff acts now but there seems to be a particular bunch of freaks sort of circulating around the <laughs> 80s that, that's being kind to them but you guys you did have a cool cutting edge sound especially with the bass lines and stuff yeah well it was um, you know I was always been once again really lucky being in the right place at the right time because um, you know initially I wanted to be a drummer so the way I play bass is really like drumming on the bass it is, guitar isn't it? it's a very percussive way of doing it and you know it it's, it's you know I said the right place at the right time um, you know people seem to want to hear it then you know and um, you know I'm not sure that if, if I was to try and start the band now that, that you'd actually get a look in but it doesn't matter does it because it, it's uh, you know what was was okay so sticking with the 80s because you're a massive run on the mid 80s still big now what would you say was the big highlight for you of the 1980s what was the big defining showbiz moment for level 42 well I, I suppose really being you know being um, the the house band for the Prince's Trust concerts at Wembley I mean that that's pretty pretty good and and also too I mean just doing a run of shows at Wembley Arena which we did I, I think we ended up playing there we were doing them like in strings of eight eight rows uh, eight shows at a time and um, uh, they were all selling out I mean it really was sort of quite something to be stood up there at Wembley Arena but you didn't just do one night then the next night was sold out the night after that was sold out the night after that was sold out really wild times and I'm sure if you get a chance to check out Mark King and Level 42 live at some point maybe at the Rewind Festival this coming weekend you'll enjoy seeing him slap that bass once more still like he did in his 1980s heyday moving aside though from Mark King and Level 42 we'll go on to our next guest now as we continue to dig into the archives this was a chat that i had with carol decker 
who of course rose to fame with Tapau in the 1980s. And like I said at the start, Tapau, you think to yourself, oh, you know, they're one of them bands that I remember them. They had a couple of hits, but you don't realize how much of a massive success they were over in the States with a couple of hits over there. So let's catch it with her now and find out what it was like rising to fame with Tapau and being big in America in the 80s. Miss Carol Decker, are you there, Carol? I'm right here. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Good morning, Carol. Morning. So it's been 20 years then since I you know. burst onto the scene. Can you believe that? No, I can't. It's, oh, you know, it seems five minutes ago to me sometimes, but it is a long time ago, isn't it? So going back to the very start then, Carol, um, it must have been so exciting for you because you, you yeah. were one of the, the biggest UK acts. In fact, you spent, was it six months in the US Billboard charts? Yes, we did, with heart and soul. What yeah. was that like? Oh, it was just fantastic, you know. I mean, it was beyond the... I wanted to have a hit record and play Top of the Pops, and that's as far as my plan went. And uh, to have the international success we had was just beyond belief. It was it was absolutely stunning. And I had a riot. We just went all over the place and misbehaved. And fantastic thing to do when you're 20-something, you know. I was going to say, you toured with some awesome people. Brian Adams, any, any gossip from the tours? Any particular memories that sticks out? Um, oh, I remember when we went to number one, we were just about to go on stage in, in Germany. We were opening for him, and uh, our tour manager came up, upstairs and told us we'd gone to number one with China, and uh, we screamed the place down in the <laughs> corridor, and he came out and told us off for being noisy. Really? <laughs> Getting shouted <laughs> and I, by and I know, and I just went, we're number one, we're number one, <laughs> you know. And um, I don't know if he was really pleased about it, mm. because what you want from an opening act is somebody up, coming with a bit of a buzz that add to the ticket and put some bums on put some more bums on yeah. seats. you do not want your opening act at number one when you're not you don't want that and right. i completely understand that you know maybe that was the inspiration behind them getting to number one for that amount of time he was in the early 90s i bet he thought right if they're because you, yeah, you were number one for a while her. there yeah, you were number one for quite some yeah. time. Was it five weeks over here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he thought, right, I'm going to double that. I'm going to show that <laughs> I'm woman. Show her. To yeah, do- but no. uh, he was great fun. You know, he's a fabulous artist. I used to watch him from the monitor desk every night. He's just a master at that arena rock. You know. So being over in the states when you were in the charts, yeah. the Billboard charts for six months, were there any exciting times over there? Anything that sort of stands out? Were there any TV shows that you appeared on stateside? Um, oh, God, loads. We did Letterman. That's fantastic. You did what? that out of New I York. didn't know you did Letterman. What, what was that like? Oh, it was fabulous. We did Heart and Soul. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, quite a small studio. You're always surprised how small places are when you get there. And then another time I did a huge um, radio show broadcasting out of Atlanta. Yeah, wow. in Georgia, and I was chatting away to Debbie Harry, and that was a big pinch me moment. That was fantastic, and just generally um, getting the whole red carpet treatment, you know, and uh, always turn left on an aircraft. That was nice. Go to first class. Mm. Those are the days. See, we've not experienced that yeah. yet, me and I. We both <laughs> looked at each other, what turn left? Yeah, we're just, no, I'm, I can't anymore. Yeah, we're just used <laughs> to being sho- shoved in the baggage handling section. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you did mention that when you started this off, that the aim was to get on top of the pops. It was have a hit record, uh, and it was absolutely massive. In fact, you even played Wembley, didn't you? Wembley Arena. Oh, loads of times. We did it four times with Brian. I've done it at Status Quo. We sold it out twice on our own. See, that must have um, been unbelievable, that, selling it out on your own, because yeah. especially when you've supported these acts, did you yeah. think deep down, one day, I'm, I'm going to get this? Um, no. You never think you're worthy, do you? I was never... I was um, having a great time and ever hopeful, but I had to sort of 
a distinct low self-esteem that, of course, of course, that's not going to happen to me, you know, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. But um, and, and also recently, you know, in the last couple of years, I've been doing all these 80s uh, tours, and they're all at the arenas. It's, it's a multi-bill with other 80s artists like um, Kim Wilde, Claire Grogan, Belinda Carlisle, Heaven 17, ABC, Go West. We all go out on these sort of eight to ten artist bills, and we play all, play all the arenas, and we just... We just played all the stately homes and castles around the country. I finished on Saturday at um, Hastings Battle Abbey, but we did 12,000 tickets at Blickling Hall in Norfolk. We did 10,000 tickets at Tatton Park in Manchester. So been on the big stages again just recently, which has been fantastic. And talking of the big stages, Carol, you've um, also done acting as well. Is it the same? Is there still the buzz when you do the, do the theatre performances, the same as getting on the stage at Wembley uh, performing um, as a singer? No, I I found the the learn when I, it was Mum's the Word was the play I did and I, I was in the West End cast I was involved in it for five months and doing all the rehearsals and the the press night and everything was absolutely buzzing it was fantastic and I did feel quite similar but after that it's so boring well that's the same thing every night and sometimes I have to do matinees and I was like uh, another very successful actress said to me getting the job is the exciting bit well we talked to jason donovan recently and he'd been doing obviously west End, and he said exactly the same you know it's, yeah. it's not the same as doing say a once a month going on eight times a week it was yeah. absolutely shattering i yeah it's it's grueling and i my son was five months old oh no and i'd been in hospital for two months when i was pregnant with him because i was poorly and i had four blood transfusions oh my so i was completely on my knees i was catnapping any second I could get and I was still chronically anemic so I was really really struggling and I used to like you know if you're if you're anemic your um your memory goes you can't think straight so it's not really a great thing to be doing as a player you've got loads of lines to learn when your memory's shot (laughs) making it up a little bit as you go along on the stage yeah but it was boring and I've been asked to tour mum's the word and I've been asked to tour fame but partly because of the children but partly because I only want to do it once I don't really want to do it every night bit tedious but hey you know tick that box had my name up in lights in the west end so it was fun well next then is solo stardom isn't it you you've not yet ticked that box because as we no. mentioned at the very start because tw- I, I i did assume that you'd done some stuff when you did split with to power because that was 1991 wasn't it yeah we split in 91 i i kind of put a to power mark two together in 97 went out on the road and promoted an album called red that i released on my own label um but what i should i mean and i didn't have any big hits off it i i did uh, release one single giving up the ghost but nobody wanted to play it but what i should have done then was go out with carol decker but the, the manager i was with at the time talked me out of it and said no it's a brand name that everybody no don't fight it go with it and looking back i i'm not saying it would have made a difference to the success of the record but i could should have established myself then outside of power but just lately i've been doing so much telly you know like i crop up on different things i'm introduced as Carol Decker now, so I think I'm starting to extrapolate myself out of to power. You've done Loose Women as well, haven't you? What was that like? I've yeah. always wanted to go on Loose Women. Fantastic! You know, you you just got to kind of fight to be heard a little bit. I would hate <laughs> to have been on. Was I on with Kerry Katona? Because she's such a 
Scottish accent. Scottish accent. Yeah, well, do you know what? I was going to ask you about something because I read a quote from you which I loved because you've um, you've addressed the Oxford Union about your experience as a woman in in the business as well. And I read a quote that said, you can still be a cool woman and age well, which is fabulous. And uh, I just wanted to ask what you think about, you know, young women in the record industry. Well, everybody's got their demons and I think being really, really famous can actually give your demons a poke now and again. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I, and I felt very validated when I was very famous. It sort of gave me a lot of a, a lot of bravado, but not real self-confidence. You know, it is it is difficult, mm. I think, to be successful as a woman. And um, you've got to shout to be heard above the men. I was the only girl in an all-male band. In fact, my tour manager was a woman. Everybody else, everybody else was a bloke. You know, so you do learn to kind of prop up the bar tell dirty jokes and, and swear because I suppose I thought I had to impersonate men to make them listen to sure. me Thank you very much for coming on Carol and we wish you all the best A very interesting and lively interview and not all of them are like that let me assure you oh, Thank you very <laughs> much Thanks a lot Carol Take care Carol Bye Alright guys She's lovely isn't she Carol Decker there reminiscing about the glory days of Tapau on this week's episode of Chasing 40 an episode with a difference rather than take another weekend off what I thought I'd do is celebrate the fact that there's loads of festivals going on right now and the one that interests me, especially if, like myself, and I'm guessing quite a few people listen to this show are in that similar position, you're heading towards 40, you're chasing 40. So if you are of that age, you're a child of the 80s, and we love looking back on the 80s, all things 1980s, and we've got all the Rewind festivals taking place across the country right now. So I thought, you know what, let's just celebrate the 80s and delve into the archives and hear from some of the big stars. And we'll end this week's special episode with a bloke who began on TV. He made the jump from the small screen to the big stage when it comes to music because of course we knew him as Scott in Neighbours Scott and Charlene got married we had that lovely lovely wedding that we all look back so fondly on from the 1980s and then he came over to the UK and like a lot of the Neighbours stars got himself a music career teamed up with Pete Waterman and had quite a bit of success so let's find out now as we end this week's episode of Jason 40 what it was like for Jason Donovan the rise of Jason Donovan a guy I've wanted to speak to for so, so long. This is uh, the good part of this job. You do get to meet people you admire. Jason Donovan. Good morning, guys. Good How are morning. you? Good morning. Very well, thank you. You're not so well, though, are you, at the moment? I've I've been better. Um, I have to say I'm suffering sort of from a, from a cold that sort of slightly affected my throat. But you know what? To speak to you this morning has put a massive smile on my face. See? That's what we like to hear. We're the ultimate <laughs> cure, Jason, for the man flu. Well, it's, it's not about the man bags, it's about the man boobs. <laughs> okay, Jason, so, so how, other than the cold, how are things in your world at the moment? Well, it's been pretty good. Um, I've sort of, obviously, you know, my main focus at the moment has, has been this... Uh, uh, download which is happening um, share my world mm. um, other than that you know I, I, and, and I guess as a direct response to that having just played to sort of 25 30,000 people on a tour I felt that it was a nice opportunity to to release a song um, you know and that's that's really been the story at the moment talking of the story Jason it is it's gone on for so long now it, it, it was what well, we're coming up to like 20 years aren't we near enough uh, since neighbors yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, Neighbours has obviously been a, a, a big part of my life over the years. Um, you know, I, 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 I mean, I, I'm indebted to have been part of something that was not just sort of popular, but it was sort of part of popular culture. Mm. Um, you know, and there's not a day goes by in my life when I, I don't 
talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm extremely proud of the time that I spent there. But, you know, as, as I said, you, you need to create uh, a new story. Um, and you can't keep sitting on the GMTV couch and this morning talking about Neighbours for the rest of your life. But your career has taken so many different paths, hasn't it? Because, it, of course, it was Neighbours, then it was the music with Stock Aiken and Waterman, wasn't it, you were tied up with? Yeah, I mean they were they were a large part of the story as well. Um, you know, and I'm you know I, I have to see there was, it was a wonderful sort of marriage between what was going on in Neighbours at the time and and to release music that was appealing to the broader audience of of the Neighbours sort of market. You know, to that extent, songs like Too Many Broken Hearts and especially for you and Sue with a Kiss and that production value was, you know, synonymous with the the, the late. Uh, the late 1980s and early early 90s. I mean, you know, it, it's not often that that sort of formula works, and it, yeah. it, 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 it you won't see you don't see pop music like that around at the moment at all. You know, it's 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 not happening anymore. It's not, and it was so catchy as well. Uh, everything they sort of released uh, got into your brain, uh, and you, you loved it, Sockaken and Waterman. But I had to admit, it's when I was at school, it wasn't really cool to like you, Jason, <laughs> at all, being a bloke. Yeah, I mean, I think there comes a point in your life where you, you, you sort of leave that baggage behind and say, actually, you know, I do like, yeah. you know... I'm Rick with Donovan! I, I think also, I, with the greatest of respect, I think we also get a little bit older and we start yeah. to care very much less about what people think of us, you know. I know. So, so, you know, and... And you know, at, at, I mean, let's not forget at the time it was it was pretty highly sort of criticised sort of stuff, you know, uh, because it was it was done very quickly, and and Stockache and Waterman were almost pop stars themselves. Talking of that, do you think the industry's changed a lot since the the first years that you were working in pop music? Do I think it is? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it, it, it's obviously, in terms of the distribution and, and the setup with record companies, it obviously is. I mean, you know, it, it's good and it's sort of bad in one area. It's being run, uh, particularly the music industry, by uh, corporate people. But then again, the, the internet's allowed, you know, uh, the opportunity for people who are unsigned to be able to get out there and they have a platform to which to launch, launch their music. I mean, to be honest with you guys, I'm not directly involved with the music business. I mean, and the thing about Share My World is it's sort of something we've decided to do ourselves because, yeah. um, mm. as I said, most people want me to get out there and sing songs from the shows. I, that's not me. I'm not Michael Ball yet, you know. Um, but, um, you know, I think I, I think the, the, the music business has changed and I think you're going to see even a bigger change in the next 10 or 15 years and probably radio is going to be a very important part of that. So talking of... Uh uh, the music and the shows you just mentioned there. The main one you were in was Joseph from the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Now, I've got to ask you this question. Have you still got the coat? I do. I really? stole it. Do you wear it? Do you wear it every day? Because if I had that coat, I'd be going down the shops to get a pint of milk in it. I have to say, if you had that coat, you wouldn't be going down the shops. You'd probably be attacked uh, in some form of, you know, um, stray ambition. But no, it's, you know, it's something I, I'm very proud of the time that I had at Joseph. It was an amazing, um, uh, amazing thing to sort of be a part of. It changed my life. People have to take me a little bit more seriously, whatever that means. Um, you know, to work with Lloyd Webber, you know, and also, you know, to be able to sit back there now and see what Lee Mead's done uh, and what they're about to do with the show and having 
sort of set the template for that many, many years ago. So I'm quite proud of that. Well, that's it. I mean, what was it like going from being a pop star into musical theatre? Because you can be doing up to eight shows a week, can't you, when you're touring with the, with the musical theatre? I, I, I find musical theatre really taxing, really hard yeah. work. Um, you know, it, it's it's it can be very pleasurable, but, but repetition in any form is, is tough. And, you know, it, it, it sort of stifles any creativity after a while. It just becomes like working in a factory. Um, I'm, I'm indebted to, particularly in the 90s, if I had to survive just being in the music industry, I would have been broke mm. mid-1990s. So, you know, I am indebted to, 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 and, you know, you have to give your talent some sort of due. Um, but, you know, I'd much prefer to be playing three or four shows a week in my own tour than eight shows a week um, in someone else's production. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. That's what really launched you back into the public eye. Why did you decide to do that? Well, firstly, um, I just want to clarify a few things. I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to thank all your listeners for voting for me, because obviously they all did. Um, and also, I want to clarify that I'm very happy to be known as the guy that didn't eat the anus. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've never been tempted by c- kangaroo's oh, testicles yuck. in my life, and uh, I'm trying to keep a sense of humour. But no, seriously, it was a tougher decision to actually decide whether I would do the show than actually mm. be in the show. Um, I have no regrets about it. You know, uh, it's something I needed to do. I needed to get back into people's sort of hearts and mm-hmm. minds. Australia is my backyard. If I was going to do a reality television show, that was it. That was the one. So you and, also... uh, and that's probably me done, done and dusted in that department, you know. Um, so, and also I would argue that, that ITV and, and Ant and Deck provide a, a wonderful sort of sense of humour with the show <laughs> that maybe Big Brother doesn't, you know. Jason, anyway, thank you so thank much for coming you. on the show this morning. You've made our day. Guys, thank you so much and, 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 and I wish you all the best and hopefully when I'm in your part of the world next time we'll, we'll see each other face to face and you can get that mullet out again. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is like, cause this, is, this is no word of a lie. Whenever we'd have a conversation down the pub and it goes, who do you want to have a pint with the most? This is, I'm not, no way am I, am I lying about this at all, Jason. It was, I always said you. So I always thought, really? Yeah, honestly, because every time I see you on TV, I thought, really interesting. He just looks like an interesting guy. And you've had so many different uh, sort of elements to your career with the TV, uh, the pop yeah. star, the musical. I've, I've always thought I'd like to have a pint with Jason Donovan. So maybe oh, someday mate, that will happen. Maybe someday. Well, no. that's very, very kind of you. And I, I'm sure I'm sure we'll, we'll, uh, we'll catch up and maybe that, that, that'll come to fruition. You'll have to come down to my local, Jace. Jeez, I'll have to probably put a mask on, definitely. <laughs> All right, Jason, thanks for coming thanks on the show. Thanks very much, Jason. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed this week's episode of Chasing 40. One with a difference as we look back on the 1980s. We hear from Mark King from Level 42. We hear from Carol Decker from Tapau, and that was Jason Donovan there. Carol Decker and also Mark King at Level 42, they're going to be performing at the Rewind Festival. So if you want to go and see them, loads of chances across the country to do that. And Jason Donovan as well, if you go online, you'll find out he's still doing doing loads of gigs he's going to be performing at a big one in Blackpool alongside Will Smith Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince they're going to be in Blackpool in August so get yourself, go on Jason Donovan's site to Power's site level 42 you'll find out all the details but as I say hopefully you've enjoyed this week's episode with a difference we'll be back next week back to normality with episode 20 a landmark episode 
in the, the world of Chasing 40. Beck will be back on with us. Until then, though, if you miss and hear dulcet Geordie tones, you can check out all the previous episodes wherever you're listening right now. So if it's SoundCloud, if it's YouTube, if it's iTunes, just click in the description box of this show and you'll find a link on where you can find all of them. Until next week, have a good one. And we'll get out of the 80s now and get back into present day 2017. I'll see you next week.